This is Why We Write, a podcast of Leslie University. Each week, we bring you conversations with authors from the Leslie community to talk about books, writing, and the writing life. Today, we've got a conversation with two of our YA writing alumna, Sarah Farazan and Axie O. Sarah is the author of If You Could Be Mine and Here to Stay, and she was in a Why We Write episode last season. Today, she and Axie talk about speculative fiction, sci-fi, diversity in books, and more. Plus, of course, Axie's K-pop-inspired book, Rebel Soul, and the sequel, Rogue Heart, which is out this month. Without further ado, here is the show. Hi, Leslie University fans. Uh, I'm Sarah Farazan. I'm a graduate of uh, Leslie University's Creative MFA writing program. If you'd like to learn about me, there's another episode. Um, It's okay. You know, I talk about kayaking (laughs) and writing and stuff. Um, But today I have the great pleasure to speak with another Leslie MFA alum, Axie O, um, who has a new book called Rogue Heart. And Axie's first book, Rebel Soul, came out in um, 2017. And it's just an amazing, creative, futuristic world. Um, The New York Times book review called Rebel Soul Moody, Explodey, Fun which I can't agree more. It was that for sure. It got starred reviews from ALA Booklist. And Cindy Pond, the author of Want and Serpentine, said of Rebel Soul, Oh, deftly weaves a high-tech world contrasted with the old and traditional. A thrilling and wonderfully layered debut. Um, And she also won the New Visions Award. And Rogue Heart is within the Rebel Soul universe. So Axie, welcome. Hi. It's so nice to speak with you one-on-one because we've met um, briefly, but we've never actually like sat down and chatted like writer stuff. You have said that you didn't necessarily see yourself as a writer until you went to a book signing. And I was wondering if you could talk about that signing or when you were sort of like, okay, this is what I want to do. I saw you um, at McNally Jackson. Oh, wow. Yeah, I lived there for a year um, after graduating from UCSD, um, and I went to, I don't, I don't know if it was um, a launch or if it was just a signing, but you were there with two other authors, and you are talking about um, your latest novel, and you are talking about how you uh, worked with your, your teachers at, your mentors at um, Lesley University, and how that was so impactful for you. So That's really crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so in general, yeah, going to this sort of author event um, really inspiring for me, and that included that one that, oh, you, went, wow. that you were at, yeah. Wow, so I, that was um, a New York <laughs> City, that's, that's I was really on a crazy and heartwarming story, because I think yeah. as writers, we spend a lot of time alone, or like, you're unable to see, like, your words, like, impact someone, so it's yeah. nice to hear things like that. But like going back to what you were saying, in college, uh, I went to a book signing at Mysterious Galaxy in San yeah. Diego. So yeah, I, I went to UCSD, University of California, San Diego, and I was a history and uh, literature writing double major. Um, I went to a signing and I think it was a good tour because there were, again, there were a bunch of authors, but one of the authors is actually Cindy Pond. Oh, wow. Who, who blurbed who your first read book. Her yes. blurb, yeah. Um, that was the first time I ever met her. Um, she was she was there for, I think, her first book, um, Silver Phoenix, which is a YA fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was the first time I ever saw a Asian-American author 
on a panel or in it in person mm-hmm. um, who's writing in the genre I love to read, YA. And this, this must have been 2000, I don't even know, <laughs> college. So between the years <laughs> 2008 and 2012. Um, but yeah, it was really inspiring to me. Before then, I wrote mostly narrative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so like uh, a lot of the stories about my childhood, um, stories about my life, but for no fiction and also reviews and I would write short fiction on the side for fun because I always love to read and I always love storytelling. Um, but that was the first time I thought, oh, wait, this could be a thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> you can write full-length novels and be an author. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that I was think- the first time. And it was, yeah, because I saw Cindy Pond. Thanks, Cindy. <laughs> I think a lot of us have to thank Cindy Pond. And for, yes. me, for me, I think uh, Melinda Lowe a lot. It's yes. so weird that she's like a friend now. It's awesome. it's very strange to meet people who um, opened up worlds to you that you didn't realize and then be like, oh, yeah. we're peers now, kind of. I mean, Melinda's way yeah. cooler than I am, but still, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it, yeah, well, they're, they're, they've been in the game longer. Wait till one yeah. day, you know, some upstart will be like, yeah, you guys were okay. I, I don't read a lot of, um, I don't even know what to call what genre your book because it's at one part sci-fi, it's one part like futuristic, just not dystopia, but kind of 1984. It has elements yeah. of like Pacific Rim. I got elements of like X-Men with the simulations and the, you know, the sort of genetic makeup of the, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't read Rebel Soul. It was interesting in that your world building, um, there are things that feel familiar, but it's all its own, you know? And I I just was like, how does someone build up a world like this and have it all in your head, but then you are really good at giving snippets of the world so that it doesn't overwhelm the reader? Like, it kind of made it so that everything seemed very seamless, and did you work on that when you were in Leslie or did you kind of already know how to do that and work on other things? So interestingly, I wasn't allowed to work on Rebel Soul at Leslie well, University. Mind. <laughs> 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 Only because it was under a contract, right, with mm. um, two books, my editor. So I had a great talk with my mentor at the time, who was Susan Goodman, who's amazing. She, she is writes nonfiction. Yeah. Um, she, we had a conversation. She said, you know, I want you to listen to your editor over me, mm-hmm. um, for this project because that's already under contract. Right. And I want to work with you where I can tell you, um, I can really instruct you and, um, give you feedback. So we can't work on this project because obviously there's, you have two voices then. And yeah. you, she should think she thought I should listen to the editor over her for that project. <laughs> so that was actually an interesting challenge because I was doing, I was revising. Rebel Soul, but also working on uh, the project that I entered the program with, which was a completely different um, YA fantasy, awesome. um, which I worked on a different project. So I was doing, I was doing both, <laughs> um, but it was, it worked out. There's such vastly different stories with different characters and different worlds. So I was able to um, keep them separate. Like in the Rebel Soul universe. Did you know that you were going to expand upon it and that there would be multiple books? Or did you think Rebel Soul is just one and then, you know, I'm going to work on other stuff? Yeah, so 
Um, Rebel School won the New Visions Award back in 2015, mm-hmm. I think the after 2015. Um, and it was written as a standalone. It wasn't supposed to be, or it wasn't written with the, with the, it was in mind that there would be sequels. Um, I had secondary characters where I was like, oh, you know, it'd be really fun if they had a spinoff book, also a companion novel, but I didn't like write it thinking that there had to be one. Yeah. And um, I think that's and, smart for people who do write um fantasy or sci-fi i think the idea is like oh i'm gonna have this massive trilogy right and it's yeah. important just to focus on the one book and make it the best thing and then expand from there yeah right? yeah yeah in general even with trilogies even if they have like a cliffhanger i feel like the story should have a middle beginning end mm-hmm. and it should be satisfying alone like i, I believe that just in general mm-hmm. in 2015 a lot happened because i had won the new visions award and i had gotten to leslie so I knew that the next two years would be Leslie program, and then the book would come out in 2017, which is also the year I graduated. Yeah. So it was like a lot happened that yeah. 2017. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really exciting. And then it wasn't until after Rebel School came out, and this is September 2017, when in the winter, my publishing house um, came to me and they asked if I was interested in writing or, or proposing a companion novel. Um, or a book set in the same world, but different characters. They specifically wanted that. Um, and so I did a whole proposal with my agent, um, who I signed with while I was at Leslie on a, on the fantasy that I was working on for the oh, other wow. project. Oh, yeah. Um, and so we did a proposal where I wrote, um, the, I wrote a whole, like, what the book would be about, which actually pretty, which probably pretty, stayed pretty, um, close to what that was. And then a pitch, and then like a list of characters and the setting, setting, and they took it to acquisitions, and then the publishing house bought it. So that happened after the book came out. So it wasn't so that was like cool because I didn't expect that, and it was like a fun like, or it was like very great for my career too because I was like didn't have a second book after um lined up, so that was great um for 2019. So it was usually I feel like some books come out. For a series, it's like right after the other, but mine came out 2019, or it's coming out like yeah. two years after. And that gives you more time to like really sit with what you've done, you know? Like, I think sometimes when it's like, okay, we want the next book in like a year, right? And you're like, I don't know that that's going to do service to the characters or the, the readers, you know? Like, sometimes yeah. there's some books where you can be like, I think there's a little rush towards the end here, and I don't blame them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like, but I didn't feel that at all with Rogue Heart. And actually, I was really thrilled because Ama in Rebel Soul was my favorite character. So um, when, you know, I got to Rogue Heart, I was like, oh, good, phew, you know? Because <laughs> I was like, she just had such, like, a wonderful innocence about her and, like, a tragic uh-huh. backstory. Um, I don't want to yeah. get too far ahead because I want people to read Rogue Heart as well. But in Rebel Soul, you know, you start with a male protagonist, Jay Wan, and uh-huh. he is very like, and that it's called, it was just, I don't know, he gave me very James Dean vibes. Yeah. You know, he's like a loner. Yeah. His parents are uh-huh. out of the picture. Um, yeah. He used to be in a gang. Um, it's twenty one ninety nine. He's really good at fighting, but like has a heart of gold. <laughs> Which you're very good at like at doing that in the beginning where sometimes it's hard to write a character that 
readers will root for, you know, within an economy mm-hmm. of language, right? So like you yeah, don't have to yeah. spend all this time being like, isn't he great? Don't you like him? Where mm-hmm. you can do it in a few scenes, like him or- ordering food from a food cart and his exchanges with like people in old soul versus neo soul, right? Because the city is constructed and like there's the old world and the new world. And it, it did a lot to talk about what I do like about speculative fiction and sci-fi and fantasy is that you end up talking about a lot of real world topics um, in a way that's not so like the more, you know, like NBC special, I I think I have a tendency to do that because mine are contemporary books. Right. So Uh it's tough to, but you do it so well. And, and you, the book I think explored a lot about class and a lot about like, love of country and duty versus love of people in your life um Mm -hmm. and a lot of like what is expected of us versus what do we really deserve and should go after um but you do it under the the pretense of like this is this is a post-war and war continuing world Mm -hmm. and situation um in 2199 so I just I don't know good job thank you but can you speak on that kind of like you know and I and you do this in the acknowledgments too where you talk about how like this is just an imaginary you know this is what I think but you're Mm -hmm. you're bringing in a lot of real world current stuff and how do you sort of manage to do that while keeping it in the future yeah um it's interesting because, like, sometimes people ask world-building questions on, on panels I've been on, and a lot of the time the answer is, you know, a lot of the stuff already exists in Korea, I just make it sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's a sky train, it's because the subway system in Korea is amazing, mm-hmm. um, so I just put it in the sky. Um, so a lot of the technological stuff, like, the idea of simulation, Korea's gaming culture is huge. They've, they have TV channels just for watching people play certain video games. Um, and they have places called Kisibangs, which are just like rooms, not rooms, but like cafes of just tons of computers that people sit with like huge headphones and they're playing video games and they can get food delivered to them and they just kids will be in there for like hours just playing video games. So yeah, there's one in I Boston like, Village now, actually. Oh, uh, in Boston. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, so they have like tons of those in um, Seoul right now. So a lot of what I was doing was like taking, and even conscription in Korea is required for men. Mm-hmm. Um, and a every, lot of countries like the military, yeah. there's a mandatory military service. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, I just made it men and women in the future. But um, I did that for all, a lot of the book where it was just taking what already exists and just. Um, making it into sort of sci-fi, um, and then a lot of the cultural stuff is all um, stuff that I've just witnessed in my life, experience, um, like the whole interaction he has with the as the food cart woman, the Adama. Yeah. <laughs> he's always like he's like making fun of her and like and but also being very respectful, and she feeds him. That's like totally a thing where um, you see that in K drama, but also I've experienced that when I go to Korea or even just like. K- K-Town, L.A., where the um, older woman is, you know, loves the younger or the older man or whatever. is there, The younger person is more respectful, and then there's, like, a whole teasing thing. Like, I love all that. And then 
a lot of the national stuff is from, I think, the whole uh, how I was a history major mm-hmm. in college. I was, I was actually a history major with a specific focus on East Asian history. So I studied a lot of um, Korean, Chinese, Japanese history. And um, a lot of the book is based off of that I, I was studying uh, colonialism in Korea, um, Japanese colonial, colonialism in Korea, um, which was from 1910 to 1945 during uh, the after World War II is when they got independence. But I was, because I was studying that in college, that was like a huge um, thing that I was sort of, you know, thinking about my ancestors and just thinking about the sort of um, idea of regaining nationhood because during that time period, Koreans were were not allowed to read and write in Korean. They had to write in Japanese and all this kind of stuff. I sort of wanted to bring that into a sort of futuristic book where I explore that idea of losing your sense of country, losing your sense of nationhood and the idea of regaining it, regaining it and that's a positive thing. Yeah, and, and it also, you know, Jaywon does that too, not just in the larger structure of, like, the government and, and you know, the sort of futuristic um, kind of situation he's in, but also in his own personal stuff. So, like, being like, I used to be in this gang, now I'm not. What does that mean? I'm now in this like, yeah. academy where I'm basically learning how to be a soldier to better my situation. And he's very good at it. But like, do I actually want to do this? You know, and, yeah. um, and there is a love story. I don't want to give away for those who haven't <sighs> read. Um, but I liked it. I dug it. Um, <laughs> you know, I read straight people. I can do it. Um, <laughs> but um, no, but it was a really lovely kind of emotional future and also when you mentioned the tech and how you're kind of because I got this from both books is that the tech reminded me of kind of the tech in Black Mirror where it's the future but it's not that far away you know mm-hmm. like it's um, particularly in Rogue Heart like the travel guide um, which uh-huh. I was like I think that's on the way but I want it now and that, uh, for those who haven't read, but you will in October, Rogue Heart, go get it. Um, it's like a language, basically, system. So that even if you don't speak Chinese or you don't speak Korean or you don't speak Japanese, you can use the travel guide and communicate with someone, which I feel like, I think that's coming, right? Like, I've seen, you know. That would be amazing. That would be great. But I was like, but this is tech that... Like, yes, when it gets to 2021, 20, like in Rogue Heart, boy, 2201, when it gets to 2201, I want that tech now and not in 2201. Um, but it wasn't stuff that was like so far off. Um, maybe the God Machines and Rebel Soul yeah. were a little far off. But that was the only <laughs> tech that I was like, that seems like, I don't know that we're there yet. Um, yeah. And can you talk about the God Machines and like where that influence came from or where that idea came from and explain it to the audience who hasn't quite, I don't know what they're yeah. waiting on, but you know. So um, God Machines are giant robots that are human piloted. So people sit inside the machine, like the cockpit of the machine and control it. And they're large, like humanoid machines. So they have arms and legs. Um, 
and they can hold like large weapons. And it's total. It's totally from Japanese anime uh, manga and manga, which is um, they have a whole genre called mecha anime. And one of the one of the shows I really loved when I was a child is the Gundam series, especially specifically Gundam Wing, which was a whole um, mecha series about like five boys who piloted uh, Gundams, which were giant machines, and were they were, you know, tackle saving the world kind of thing. Um, and I love that. That's what I watched in middle school, um, which in the Pacific Rim, I'm pretty sure Guillermo del Toro is, he like was influenced by the whole mecha genre for sure. Um, so when we pitched the book, we pitched it as Pacific Rim these key dramas because we weren't sure people would know what Gundam was. Mm-hmm. But everyone probably knows what Pacific Rim is, and it's 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 similar because there's no giant monsters, and it's not two pilots; it's one pilot. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's what that's where the influence was from anime. Yeah, and there's um, a lot of like in your bio. There's a lot of love for anime. There's a lot of love yes. for manga. There's a lot of love for K-pop. There's a lot of love for yes. dramas, and all that comes through in the book. It's been interesting to see Korean culture really come to the forefront, uh, at least in the States. You can see a lot of it. Like when I watched the American Music Awards and I didn't oh, yeah. know who BTS was and I and, and I was like, what is happening? Like everyone knew all the words in the audience. It was like a Beatles sort of thing and I felt old. Um, and I was like, oh, finally, a boy band that can dance again. You know, like we've yeah. been missing that. I just think it's nice to be like, I don't know for I don't know if you feel this way, but like maybe fifteen years ago, I could not conceive mm-hmm. of like teens here, like American teens, reading books about characters that were like you know Jay Wan or like characters in my books. So it's been nice to be like that yeah. was a myth and that's not true. Um, how have yeah. you felt about like kind of being a voice for um, books and characters that we maybe haven't seen as much of? Um, I feel great. (laughs) 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 No, I I just think it's like, it's because I get, I don't know, like, there is this sort of like, I'm very happy to be on a diversity panel. I'm very happy to like talk about that. But it's really nice Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, I'm just on a genre panel, you know? Yeah. Like, Like, there is something about being like, okay, we're getting past the sort of, like, how do you write characters like that? And be like, I don't know, be a person of the world, you know? So it's nice to kind of get away from that and just be asked questions of, like, craft. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know that you've, if you've really, how, when you've been promoting or, like, touring or, you know, getting to do stuff and talk about the book, like, do you think there's less and less like you know hey let's talk about this versus like let's talk about how cool your book is yeah definitely um especially between well I I feel like I came in during the in the middle of We Need Diverse Books Mm -hmm. um 2017 We Need Need Diverse Books uh I think like picked up off the ground and Maybe 2015, 2016. I think 2015 exactly was like when they got the big sort of national push. Like there was that hashtag yeah. again. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I'm so so that I think that he made a huge difference um, in not just the book world, but then also in movies and films. Mm-hmm. Um, but now in 2019, for sure, most of the times when I'm when I'm asked to be on a panel lately, have been on just genre panels. Um, I have done Asian American panels. Which I'm, which I'm fine with. I love the Asian American panels. Yeah, it's kind of um, nice I, to be on yeah. a panel with people. You're like, oh, hey, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have something in common. Yeah, it, but it is nice um, to be like you're not like I don't know for a long yeah. time, especially yeah. for public publication. I felt like I'm the only one yeah. in the village, you know. And then now yeah. it's like, oh, there are all these different people, and it's it's been great. Yeah. But yeah, but it's nice anyway. Continue about being on genre panels versus. Yeah. Yeah, but like the first panel I ever was on was was a diverse was a diversity panel, mm-hmm. and um, that was like so much. I felt like so much pressure on that panel <laughs> to like talk about diversity um, in my book, specifically, just because I felt like I had to represent my entire culture. I felt that way too. I, yeah. Yeah. And it's really. Now I'm I'm like no, there's no way that's possible, and there are other people yeah. writing books, which is really- yeah. But there was this sort of, like, I felt the weight on my shoulders um, when you are writing about a specific culture that maybe people have misconceptions about or don't know that much about. It's like, you know, this story is not the only one, right? (laughs) Like, you know, I'm not going to get everything right. And so, yeah. Yeah. But but it's nice to hear that because I felt that way too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember being on one panel where someone in the audience asked me what I thought about North Korea. Oh, God. And just, like, yeah, things like that where I was, like, and then, you know, I was, like, shocked. I was, like, this is a YA panel about, you know, science fiction. <laughs> and he's asking about North Korea. It was, like, I don't know. I don't remember the person. I know he was a man. And then um, Cindy Pond was there. <laughs> Cindy Pond was on the same panel as me. And she's, like, she's not going to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was like that was like maybe my second panel ever, and Cindy and I was like, yay! <laughs> but it's nice to have people like, yeah. who have, who have come before and, and yeah, out, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, things like that. I was like, huh, these like interesting things where it's like because they see me and representing as a, I present myself as a Korean American woman. I have to know everything about everything about Korean culture, Korean politics, and mm-hmm. like. Um, I just want to write my fun sci-fi yeah. novel that that does have some, you know, historical influences, um, cultural influences, but it's also not the entire history and culture of my people. Also, yeah. like please read a textbook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think people like always ask with like malice. You know, it's just like they no, see the news, yeah. and, but it is sort of like I don't know. It's disappointing, and I think mm. it'll get away from that as the years go on yeah um, yeah for, sure. for those uh people who are have read rebel soul and now they will after this podcast because we've sold it real hard can you <laughs> can you pitch to people um rogue heart that's coming out by the time this podcast is out um and yeah. basically we focus on ama from rebel ama. soul who was yes. my favorite character. So if you have a she pitch. Mine too. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad because you wrote a whole book about her. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. But I think, too, it's like when people say, write what you know, I think yeah. what they really mean is write what you love, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Because you end up knowing the things you love pretty well. Um, yeah. And I felt that with your work. But anyway, so Rogue Heart, go for it. Yeah, so Rogue Heart is two years after Rebel Soul, where there was a huge battle, a huge... 2201. Um, 2201. So <laughs> <laughs> and Ama um, is in hiding in Neo-Beijing. So she's in China, and she is under... Not undercover. She's she's in hiding with a whole different identity, because she, when she found out in the first book, she's a government experiment. Um, and she's a telepath, so she can read people's minds. And then what happens is she gets recruited into, she gets recruited by a, uh, Chinese, um, rebel group called Phoenix, and they want her help to take down some, like, important government officials and stuff. Some cool espionage stuff. And then, um, as the book puts, as they go on this journey of, like, doing those sort of covert operations, the last target is, a character from the first book, Alex, who's now um, the commander of a, a base, and her job is to infiltrate the base and sort of um, give back information to the rebellion. And you know, she she had a she had a previous relationship with Alex in the first book, like they were in love. Um, but the, then he he's the betrayed her. Son, and the director yeah, is from like the first book. Basically, this. I don't want to say dictator, but he's he's. The but guy. yeah, he's like yeah. authoritarian, yeah, authoritarian figure, um, in back in Seoul. And so she, her job is to um, infiltrate Alex's base, and once do that, she, 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 she tricks his mind so he doesn't see her for who she is. So it's like really fun, angsty, lots of um, spy espionage sort of thing, sort of book. And there's also giant robots. It's still God machine. <laughs> <laughs> as there should be always. I mean, what's not to love with giant robots you know like some people should yeah. just you should just be like giant robots and they should be like okay I'm in alright you know? okay <laughs> um, yeah so it was really fun book to write it's, I, I, I really wanted to write something that was very different in the first book but same style like same um, sort of setting same sort of like cool futuristic world in Asia but different voice and very different yeah. uh, journey journey so I, I i'm someone who can't write the same book and that's why i'm like oh it'd be so hard to write a first person story of of a trilogy third person is different because you can explore all these different characters or multi-point of view is different mm-hmm. but if it's just a single point of view in first person for three books i'm always like wow that's so impressive I would like, I don't know how they do that. I was really obsessed with like the characters in the world. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, um, <laughs> but you, but like when you were at Leslie, you were working on a fantasy book. And yeah. do you think that in your sort of want to like never write the same book, it's like a completely different, or I mean, you can't say much about it if it's, I don't know what you're, if you're gonna. Yeah. If you're. Um, <laughs> I don't want to if you're working on it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is interesting because with at at Leslie, I every semester I worked on something different. So the first semester I worked on fantasy. Second semester I worked on a horror novel with Tracy Batiste, which oh, was great. super fun. Yeah. The third semester I worked on a different fantasy, um, historical fantasy with Mickey Newton, Michelle Newton, who wrote um, Evil Librarian. Um, and that was also really fun. So, I, and then the, and then the fourth one I worked on 
with faculties and good men. But you were, <laughs> but yeah, you, were so, you were busy working on lots of things. Yeah, yeah. Which I think so, is good for people to know. Like, um, like I basically worked on two projects, and those were my first two books. But yeah. oh yeah, yeah, amazing, yeah. yeah. But there are people who I think come in and maybe like they don't know what they want to do necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. lots to explore. Yeah, my mindset for that was just trying to work on a whole different project so I could sort of um, be to learn as much as I could from these mentors um, with like the limited time we had. Um, and so I totally think it makes sense to work on one project the whole way through, which a lot of people did, and, and their books were like brilliant by the end. Like that makes a lot of sense to me too. Um, a good friend of mine, actually, her name Candice Elo. Oh yeah. Um, she, her yeah. I love Candace. Um, she, her novel, she worked on that novel for most of the residency, and then it's coming out with Penguin mm-hmm. in 2021. Um, and I'm so excited for her. But yeah, so she worked on that project, and it was it was amazing. Um, I I heard her read uh, a part of it as like a yeah graduation kind of reading. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, and this was before she got mm-hmm. signed. But I was like, that is yeah. really, yeah, yeah. At Leslie, guys, just saying. At Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were to tell someone who was thinking about joining an MFA program, what would you tell them? Because it is an expense, and like some people, there are yeah. different phases of life, and. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean come to grad school and you'll get a deal no, right away, yeah. you know. But what no, would you kind yeah. of say about the experience of someone who's thinking about it? Um, I guess because I usually get people asking me about the MFA program. Um, and I've had friends who've gone to different MFA programs and Leslie also. Um, and I just tell them what, what why I went and if that resonates with them, then great. But, you know, if it doesn't, then that's fine as long as they know why they're going right. because I, I'm someone who always excels or not excels, but I learned best in academic settings and I really cared about improving my craft in a very focused, regimental way because I am very chaotic. Like I am very disorganized. Um, so I wanted to go to a program where I would have great mentorship, where I would be forced to learn, um, constantly be challenged. Also community, which you talked about in your, um, your uh, book signing, 2013 book signing, which <laughs> 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 was just like really appealing to me. Community mentorship was huge for reason for me to go. Um, the year I went, we had two new mentors. It was Michelle, no, no, we had two new mentors? Okay. I don't remember. The year I went, but Jason Reynolds was going. So, <laughs> cute. It was huge. Um, but then I think the year after, we got two more new mentors, Tracy Batiste and Michelle Newton, um, which was amazing. More female mentors and female writers. Um, so I was very excited about that. And yeah, so it was just a lot of pros for me. Um, the other the other mentors there, I think David Elliott, who's amazing. Chris Lynch, she's amazing. Um, so I... The faculty was very um, enticing to me, and also the idea of working in multiple genres, not just YA, but there are, you also work with uh, screenwriters, fiction writers, nonfiction, poets, mm-hmm. and I just like the idea 
that sort of community where it was just a love of writing, but it wasn't too centered on one genre because I always want to learn. But I feel like in writing YA, you should it's it's great to read other YA, but it's also good to learn and read and write other genres too right. to help your craft. Yeah. yeah. So all of that was appealing to me. Um, and yeah, it was the, it was the right time in my life too. I didn't um, I had just. <clears throat> quit my job in New York City. (laughs) 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 Moving back to Las Vegas where I grew up. So it was just like a lot of good timing for me. That's great. Well, it all worked out. Yeah. So good job. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for uh, your uh, signing that I went to in your book talk and you read from your books too. And I got your book there signed. (laughs) I remember. I remember. Do you really? I do. Because now it's coming back. Because I remember when yeah I remember I do remember um yeah I, 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 I didn't think that was the reason you know like so that's oh, really yeah. I think yeah. everyone has the reason in them they just need like a push like yeah a, you know? um yeah that also ha- that helps my uh essay oh. <laughs> <laughs> You have to write an essay to get into Leslie, yes, and I totally was like, I wish you, I wish you, like, I, I made it to a story where I was like, I went to the Jazz Action Books, and I saw Star of Oh, man, that puts gas in the emotional tank, for sure. Thank you, Yeah, Maxie. so yeah. good. Yeah, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Thank Leslie for both of us. Yeah. yeah. Um... There were a few, th- uh, two last things I guess I wanted to say. One was um, you mentioned the instructors and working with people, but like it was nice that you got something from everybody, right? Like everybody had yeah. something different to give. Um, mm-hmm. Can you speak a little about that? Like, okay, I'm going to Chris for this or Tracy for this or Jason for this and and how that kind of um, helped your your work. Yeah, um, besides the, the classes, which were amazing, and the mentorship one-on-one, as you know, <laughs> the faculty likes to um, take us out to, like, just afterwards for meals or drinks, and we just have, it's a great time to talk and just chat. So even though actually I was never directly mentored by Chris or Jason, because I wasn't writing contemporary, I was writing mostly fantasy at the time, mm-hmm. um, it, they, all of their wisdom was still I still got so much of the wisdom because of those you know those after after school after school activities um <laughs> where like they would just drop knowledge like they would just give us publishing tips they would give us insider stuff about their life and their work mm-hmm. and um it was just so inspiring to hear about the you know the the difficulties but also all of the great things that come with it um and then afterwards when I did go to my first sort of like ALA with the ALA, the Annual Library Association Conference. I saw the video on YouTube. Yeah. Yes, with oh, yeah. Kat Cho. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's it. my cousin. Oh, is she yeah. really? She's my, uh, per- wait, first cousin. Oh, no, no wonder you're both so cool. So Kat Cho, for those of you that don't know, is another young adult writer. Yeah. Who did not go to Leslie, but is still cool. She did not go to Leslie. And she yeah. has a book called um, The Wicked Fox, which you can check out. She went with me to this conference. Tracy the Chief was there. Jason was there. Um, and so it was like so great to see my mentors at an actual event after graduation. This is, wait, no, wait, what's it? Yeah. 
Okay. Was it before graduation? <laughs> but, in, but in any case, that now, now yeah. you're peers, right? You're, you're yeah. all there to talk as established writers. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, That was really cool. But in general, yeah, at the program, any any of the uh, mentors were just available to talk to talk and chat about anything. They're very open, um, and it was very inspiring. But also, I learned so much from them just about the writer life, which you don't necessarily get necessarily in all programs. I feel like a lot of the time, you know, you're taught. A lot of the crops, but not necessarily what it's like to be a writer afterwards. So it was great to have mentors who were so open about. So because it's um, not all roses yeah. and glamour, I think. No, you know? it's not. <laughs> it's a lot of like, um, okay, what can I compromise on, and what can I, you know? It's, yeah, it's, a, it's tough. Not so tough. Yeah. It's not you know coal mining, but it's. No. I don't think it's as uh, glamorous as people might think. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and we we talked we talk a little bit about what it's like post publishing mm-hmm. because post publishing, um, you know, you have to think about your sales, you have to think about other projects that aren't necessarily in the same genre. So I've mm-hmm. I've done a lot of different projects that like I look at different things that weren't necessarily like what I thought of writing was in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Um, like short stories, like anthologies, like. Um, I see like uh, teaching, or not teaching, but I always thought that. I thought about that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, like how can you were, how can you keep it going, basically? Yeah, how can you keep it going? Or, or not just writing in this genre you're writing in, maybe writing adult, maybe writing middle grade, um, that that kind of stuff. Um, so knowing that it's also it's the dream, but it's also a business, and it's also how to how to have career longevity, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't really think about it until you, I feel like you're, you've published your first book. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So, but it's, it's interesting to see that you've done like the full circle thing in a short amount of time. I mean, it's been a long time, but like for most people, you'd be like, oh, that's wow. Like in that span of like entering a graduate program and then having that full circle moment of like my mentors are, also my peers at this oh yeah you know, it's pretty cool yeah yeah I still I still was like oh they're super sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, there, but there's but there yeah. are young people out there and, and older people mm-hmm. all types of people who will feel yeah. the same about you you know when Rogue Heart comes out like oh yeah it's a new yeah. Rebel yeah. book you know which is great um actually yeah. you did mention that you love Miyazaki Mm-hmm. Um, your favorite Miyazaki film? Okay. Favorite is probably Spirit Away. Okay. My nostalgic favorite that I've probably seen the most times, My Neighbor Totoro. That's a great movie. And my favorite heroine is Nazuka from Nazuka of the Valley of the Wind. Okay. So, so when you, I guess, like, just favorite, I guess, the Spirit Away is because I just think that's such a great movie. I think it's so well done. I love it from beginning to end. Um, I love all of these from beginning to end, but I feel like I have two different types of favorites. Okay. And that would probably be another yeah. podcast episode. Yeah. Just talk about how many, how about you? Film. How about you? I What's love my favorite? neighbor Totoro. Um, yeah. And I I can't get too much into like 
I don't like fantasy that happens in sort of like another realm, right? Mm, like I mm-hmm. like when fantastical things happen in a contemporary setting. So that's why I like superhero stuff. Yeah. It's like it's a city, but there's something weird going on. Or that's why I, I like Kiki. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kiki's delivery service. I liked that. Kiki's so good. I like I couldn't get into Howl's Moving Castle, even though it's beautiful. I was like, I don't, I'm out. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I know, but I just couldn't do it. I was like, it's really nice to look at, and but I just, I don't know, the, the fire is talking to yeah. her, I don't know. Oh, like, her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, is there anything yeah. you're working on that you can tell us about or no? Uh, it's okay if no. No. Okay, yeah. all right. But you're working, and that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. And is uh, is there a way who, for people who are big fans and enjoyed this podcast to find you online? Yeah. Um, uh, my website, axieo.com, A-X-I-E-O-H.com, has all my links to, like, all my social media, but also I'm always on. I'm on. It's been a real pleasure to actually have a sit-down conversation with you. I can't wait till we do it face-to-face. Yeah. Um, but it's, I just want to congratulate you on all your success and, um, Thank you, likewise. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm all right. Um, but I, it's just, uh, it's been nice to sort of have this connection with you, um, in ways that I didn't always realize, you know, and then that hopefully there'll be more students who will have the same connection i'm very excited for all of, all of your future projects all of mine and my classmates at Leslie and all of the students to come I'm very excited and get rogue heart out october 2019 october 8th do it now check it out and um thank you so much for speaking with us thank you thank you for listening to why we are right For more information on Axie-O, as well as Sarah's episode from last season, head over to our podcast episode page at leslie.edu slash podcast. To make sure you never miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. We'll see you next week.